listening to a Sin Media podcast. Previously heard live on Sin Nation. Well, hello, hello. This is the start of a brand new seasonal holiday show on Sin Nation. You are with me, your host, Peter Petitis, and I do have some guests in the show today, but after all, you'll need to know what that show is. So before I get to that, let me talk to you a little bit about this new show. So the show is called Help Me Help You Help Me, and this is pretty much in a crux, a show about being a better person and being okay with being who you are as well. If you kind of feel like you're a millennial, a Gen Z, as someone who's just finished up high school or finished up uni and you don't really know if your head's screwed on just right or what to do next, then this is the show for you. I've just graduated a bachelor degree and I have no idea how I'm going to use it and if I'm going to do so straight away or if I'm going to go live my life and what does life even look like. So if you're feeling like a little bit of a dropkick, like a little bit of someone who doesn't know which way is up at the moment, this is the show for you. So my friends, I introduce you to Help Me Help You Help Me. And with me in the studio today is my friend Jono. Hey Jono. G'day, Peter Petitas. How are you today? Good, buddy. So I've brought Jono in today to talk to us a little bit about a certain topic that is all around self-help literature. That is today's show, Self-Help Lit. So pretty much when people feel a bit lost, Jono, they're going to go turn to people who know a little bit more about ways to navigate life. Yeah, not us. But not us, uh, but maybe in the future, maybe. Uh, I am by no means a professional. I should probably flag that. So if anything that comes up today uh, makes you feel uncomfortable, please do check in with real professionals, call some helplines, Lifeline, Kids Helpline. All of those numbers can be found on the interwebs. So let's kick this off. We're talking self-help literature. And the purpose of this episode is to pretty much talk the pros and cons of all of these, I guess, self-love books, instructional manuals on how to live your life or to reach success. Now, Jono, you have a, I guess, particular strength in the field of self-help lit. Can you explain just really briefly what you're going to talk to us a bit about later? Yeah. So, um, I guess self-help lit is a pretty big sort of category Mm. Um, and I've sort of been reading the sort of philosophical side of it. So one thing I'm quite interested in that I've done a bit of reading on is something called logotherapy Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's from a psychiatrist called Viktor Frankl. So I'll get in, tuck into that a little bit later. So logotherapy is kind of around this idea of having a meaning of life. Yeah, very much a purpose-driven sort of find meaning, find purpose and therefore deal with the anxiety that life is. Very, very scary stuff. Yeah, definitely. So if you feel like you don't really know what your meaning of life is at the moment and you might be asking every kind of person that you possibly can and picking up any book that could tell you what to do and how to find it, then this is the episode for you. And if you do want to weigh in on anything, this is obviously a podcast, but we will be refreshing over certain topics throughout the seasonal. Please do hit us up through Facebook or Instagram or even my Tumblr, where you can actually give me a an anonymous question or even piece of information. If you do want to be known and be proud of it and the information that you've gathered or want to share, please do so through Facebook and Instagram. If you do want to check out the Instagram, it is help me help you help me sin. And so is the Facebook page, Help Me Help You Help Me Sin. The Tumblr is help me help you help me sin.tumblr.com forward slash ask. 
All right. So the first thing that I kind of want to start with today is talking a little bit about this idea of a meaning of life. So it's a thread in so many books that I've read in this kind of self-help category. And so I want to talk about personal legends versus going along for the ride and just kind of those gauges of books that tell you not to worry about anything, just to keep going. Which one should I be believing? Which one should be help helping me structure the rest of my life? We're going to talk about that in a sweet second. So, Jono, I want to talk mm. to you now uh, a bit about the focus of a lot of self-help literature. And the focus of self-help literature is around this thing, so many different words, so many synonyms for your meaning of life, right? Your will, your purpose. The Alchemist uh, by Paolo Coelho, I don't know how to pronounce it. Oh, I would have. Paolo Coelho says that it is a personal legend, uh, whereas you've got Mark Manson's The Subtle Art, where it's just like, it doesn't even matter. You don't really have a reason for being until you sort out the minute stuff in front of you. So what I really want to know is, should we be focusing on this meaning of life or should we be focusing on the junk around us to make the value of life more beneficial and more experiential so that every single part of it is as good as, I guess, that peak of reaching your personal legend? Yeah. So um, you haven't read The Alchemist, but pretty much the crux of it, for those of you at home who haven't read it, it is a fable. So it is pretty much like your classic quest story where there's this um, – shepherd who pretty much has like this vision in a dream to find his treasure and then he gets confirmation by like this old wise king and a fortune teller that that treasure does exist and he should find it and so you're kind of following him on this path to get the treasure so that he's his personal legend and so the way it's written it's as if everyone who is in a powerful position is telling this young shepherd that he needs to reach his personal legend and if you forget about your personal legend, you're never going to reach it. But if you consciously think about it, then you're going to get there and you're going to listen to omens and there are going to be little things that you learn along the way that are just as valuable as the personal legend. However, the problem that I have with this book is that there is a lot of onus on that personal legend and that then it's like, the unwritten part is that he learned so much like he learned the language of the world. He spoke to the wind and the sun and all this stuff happens and he becomes super connected to the living. But I feel like that's just something that was kind of gathered towards the end and I don't know, like I guess the flutters of the beautiful language and which it describes omens and things like that is like a sense of, look, he's learning along the way and it's all beautiful. But again, he's only truly like huge happy at the end when he gets there, gets his treasure. And then he's like second backup treasure is also that he fell in love, like spoilers, soz. Um, So, yeah, I just, I kind of think there needs to be more of a, but how can I really get invested in the world if I'm not aiming for a personal legend? Because here it's telling you that the two and two go together. If you're aiming for something, then you're going to get everything else in the lead up as well. Where do you sit on that? Well, I guess one of the things that I've constantly come across, especially in the last few years, has been that the more you seem to aim for something, especially things like happiness, that's not the way to achieve it by aiming at it. It, It's sort of the thing that comes as a side effect. And I think the same is with meaning and purpose, that by by making that your one aim to find meaning, to find purpose, sometimes it can actually sidetrack you. Um, Sort of has to come in association of 
doing something that you find meaningful, me, find, you know, following a meaningful or purposeful thing, and then that'll come as a result rather than just straight up chasing it. Mm, um, yeah. And so the subtle art of not giving it an F, which is written by Mark Manson, pretty much talks a bit about not really focusing too much on where you want to be and where you have to get to and how you're not good enough to get there yet. Um, and more about focusing on what you can fix now that might be your negatives that can help make your current value of life a bit more positive. So he actually says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find the cheeky quote, kind of a bit about what really is negative and what really is positive mindset in his more colloquial terms. He says the desire for more positive experience is itself a negative experience and paradoxically the acceptance of one's negative experience is itself a positive experience. So he pretty much seems to think that a lot of people aren't dealing with their shit. So people don't say this is bad, this is bad, this is bad and that's actually causing this, this and this. Instead people like the world is mean, oh, I need to get this promotion and then my life will be fixed. Yeah. I, I could not agree more with that. I think that is completely relevant, especially to sort of our generation and, and our times. Mm. And I think Jordan Peterson makes the same claim in his um, 12 Rules for Life that, you know, sort of clean up your own room is his analogy that he says. Clean up your room before you go out there and point fingers around and start saying, you know, this is the reason for A, B or C. You know, a lot of it is coming from what what we're doing and, you know, yeah, working around that. Mm, he talks about like this feedback loop as well, Manson, where if it's one thing's fault, then it becomes something else's fault and it just like is this negative feedback of, well, this is happening and that's causing me to do this and that's why I'm a bad person and blah, 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 blah. Whereas instead you kind of need to go in on yourself and go like, okay, this isn't going the way I want it to. Uh, identifying that this is a negative issue that I have is now going to become positive because I'm going to fix it, which I really resonated with. And it actually took me a really long time to read through this book because I wanted to keep reading it. And I felt like I had a pretty good mindset while I was reading it. And then when I stopped reading it, I felt a bit thrown. <laughs> and then as soon as I like kind of got a pang of anxiety when I was entering my second semester of my last year of uni, I started reading it again and I felt better. So this is also something that is like, well, has my meaning of life or my ability to become more positive being shaped by books when I need to learn this skill and it's not becoming a habit WTF well that's the thing you can't just sort of put your whole meaning and purpose into into one book you sort of have to it literally was I carried it everywhere even if I didn't anticipate that I would have time to read wherever I was going I would just whip it out and be like oh look it's my self-help book it's like for millennials and Chris Hemsworth has (laughs) written about how much saved him and he was like hilarious confronting and damn refreshing a good kick in the ass and if it's good for Chris it's good for me well I guess that's sort of yeah well it, it works I guess if it works it works but did it actually sort of last longer than when you put the book down? Like without the book, did it have long-lasting effects? I don't that's really one of the think thing so. about this whole self-help thing. I'm like, mm. is it really giving you long-term effects or is it just sort of making you feel good at the time and being like, yeah, yeah, I should go and do this. And yeah, I should, you know, even Jordan Peace, I should go clean up my room. But Literally. How many people are actually cleaning up their rooms? Yeah, and I think it's just really interesting because you want to read as many bits and pieces of different areas of life. And so there was this other book that's a bit of an unconventional self-help book um, that I started reading when I didn't really need it, to be quite honest. It's more about being aware of yourself when you're in a relationship 
Um, and it's called The Course of Love by this really famous philosopher called, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly because he's French, Alain de Botton. Oh, another great pronunciation. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so, so it's called The Course of Love. And uh, I'll read you the blurb, listeners and Jono. Please do. <laughs> what does it mean to live happily ever after uh, at dinner parties and over coffee? Rabi and Kirsten's friends always ask them the same question. How did you meet? And the answer comes easily. It's a happy story, one they both love to tell. But there is a second part to this story, the answer to a question their friends never ask. What happened next? Oh. So Rabi and Kirsten find each other, fall in love, get married. Society tells us that this is the end of the story. In fact, it is only the beginning. Oh, I could have predicted that. Hey, from the first thrill of lust to the joys and fears of real commitment to the deep problems that surface slowly over two shared lifetimes, this is the story of a marriage. It is a story of modern relationships and how to survive them. So, obviously, your girl's not married. Um, nor have I ever been in a relationship long enough to have that idea of marriage being on the cards. But I was like, oh, it sounds like it's going to tell me a lot about love and the kind of person that I should be. So already, me, little ignorant Peter, has said, I want a plan on how to be a good wife. <laughs> Literally, I guess that was my subconscious saying, you've never been in love. <laughs> you've never had anyone love you. This is how you do it. Like, this is the holy Bible of being the perfect partner. And so I read it and it was like, oh, yeah, wow, like, it makes so much sense, you know, basing it on my parents' relationship a lot of the time. And, like, since putting the book down, I I think I've had, like, one really short-lived relationship. But the whole time I was like, we're going to get married. Like, I I feel like I'm going to be the best wife and partner. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So that's like totally flipped it and and, uh, now I'm like, well, didn't work, did it? Did it? I don't even know if I really followed the steps, but that's really weird because I had a preconceived purpose and meaning that I had not even touched the surface of in terms of relationships and love and stuff. So it's really interesting how I kind of gave myself my own little personal legend of, well, if, you know, nothing else is working for you right now, then maybe it's a future relationship that is what you're aiming for. Well, how much of these sort of self-help books do you reckon are just you going in there with a preconceived idea of something that you already know that you want or think and Mm -hmm. it just may be confirming it for you or just telling you that in a different way? Well, I guess it's kind of the opposite as well because I don't really, I don't know, I don't really know much about relationships so it kind of wanted to teach me. Um, But then with the subtle art, it's like, yeah, I wanted to be able to say like, I don't need to give a flip about yeah, yeah. anything woohoo tell me how much I don't need to give a flip um but it's a bit misleading because you do need to give a flip about a lot of things um and you start to realize like as I was reading I'm like damn I have a lot of issues <laughs> but yeah it's that's one of the saddest thing about all this you do realize how many issues you have the more you, you read the more you get into it the more you learn about you know yeah and there's so many ways that it can give you that affirmation and understanding of the shit that you have to deal with so in a way I think this is becoming 
a bit of a topic where we're saying that you kind of find that you have more shit than you thought you had once you start reading this stuff, yeah? I think so, I yeah. think so. I wow, think so. wow. And we're not even halfway through the show and we've just gone to see you later. Well, I guess, mm. and you can't, I guess the, the whole point of that is you can't really just put all your faith and treat these books as something of gospel. And no. These people are experienced in their fields, let's say, mm. um, but that's only a small part of their life. Yep. So you, I think when you're like going into this sort of stuff, just take it all with a grain of salt and just... See if you can take one or two things out of it. That's what I yeah. do. That tends to work. One or two things will really make a difference. I I also think words. So what we're going to do now is we're going to go on another track, another motivational bit of thing. You're listening to help me help you help me on Sin Nation. You're with Peter and my lovely guest Jono. In a moment, though, I do want to introduce that we will be talking to another sinner. His name is Thomas Main. hasn't been on the radios in a while, but he is a 17-year-old who's just wrapped up year 11 and has found that his kind of self-help literature has come in his own writing. So a bit cathartic. He's been writing uh, entries, like diary entries, prose that just are a reflection of his life. And we're going to talk to him a bit more about how it's been a cathartic experience and what he really wants to do with that, what that project could turn into and how he thinks other people should be using their own ability to write their own self-help to get help and to feel better about themselves. So before we go into that, Jono is going to give me more of an insight into logotherapy. It's Help Me Help You Help Me. You are here with Peter, your host, and you're on Sin Nation. I have a guest, Jono. Uh, You would have been listening to him earlier, just having a bit of a brief chat about a theory called logotherapy. And we're going to go in depth, really talk about this from a millennial perspective. I mean, what is it? Please explain, Jono. All right. Please explain. Science. Strap your boots on, ladies and gents. Let's get let's get going. So logotherapy is a meaning-centered psychotherapy. So what does that mean? Break it down. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's break it down. Let's talk about this. So the aim pretty much is to reorient the person with meaning in order to come, over, over, overcome any neurosis or sort of existential angst that they might be experiencing. Pretty much everyone everywhere. Pretty much everyone everywhere now. Yeah. So according to this theory, the striving for meaning is the primary motivating factor in a person. So it's different from a lot of other theories. Freud might probably say that it's, you know, drives or instincts that motivate us. But Viktor Frankl, the author of the book Man's Search for Meaning, says that it's actually our will for meaning, our desire for meaning and purpose. So when this gets frustrated, when we don't really have a purpose, we don't have meaning, this can often actually lead to a neurosis, which is, as it sounds, probably not something that we want. Is that right, Peter? Hectic, Jono. Hectic stuff. So logotherapy is actually designed to help the patient become aware of what exactly they're striving for. But the logotherapist, if that is even a word, the psychiatrist Mm -hmm. that's dealing with them doesn't actually tell them the meaning because no one can actually tell you your own personal meaning, but it sort of broadens their perspective so that they can see the meaning within their own life. Now, so tell me a bit about the book version of realising this. Is this what Old Mate has been saying? This is like your own little Mm. self-diagnosis, how to do it at home, how to work it out. What is my meaning? What is my meaning for being? <laughs> what am I striving for? So unfortunately, Peter, <laughs> it's it's hard to categorize, I guess, uh, Man's Search for Meaning, this book, as your typical self-help book because a lot of it is talking about... And also because, of course, it's changed your life, Jono. It has changed my life. Mm. No, it's had a big effect on my life. It's, it's my favorite book. It's by far my favorite book. But it is the sort of book where you have to read 
Uh, it gives you ideas. It gives you sort of interesting perspectives. It talks a lot about dealing with suffering. And he uses his own experience of being a prisoner in Auschwitz and how he wow. dealt with that suffering. And he actually found meaning through that suffering. And that's quite inspiring. Mm. So it's, it's pretty inspirational in that sense and sort of inspired me. Well, you know, if, if Viktor Frankl can find meaning in his suffering in, in Auschwitz, surely I can find meaning, meaning in any suffering that I might be experiencing in my life. Mm. Um, so I guess, yeah, just on that note, I guess um, Frankl uses an example, which I really liked. It's of a patient that he saw. Um, and the patient came in, was absolutely shattered, still unable to get over their wife that passed away two years ago. Mm. And Frankel sort of turned it and said, well, what if you had passed away first? And the patient said, well, yeah, she'd, have, she'd be mourning my loss. She'd be upset. She would be up, wouldn't be able to cope for two years. And he said, well, maybe the suffering that you're encountering now with having to suffer through losing your wife, maybe the purpose in that is so that she didn't have to undergo that. And that, you know, Whoa. she, and, and that just apparently for this patient just completely changed their perspective because they saw meaning through their suffering mm. and in their suffering rather than just, you know. And this is the whole everything happens for a reason mantra, isn't it, as well? I guess people like to say that out loud, but don't really think about the meaning of that suffering yeah. and what kind of impact it has. You know, when people break up with people and they're like, well, everything else for a reason, like you're going to meet the right person later. It doesn't necessarily need to be like that. It could be like, look at the values that you saw in that person and now you know what to look for later. Or if you got a bad mark on a sack or an exam, it's not like, the next time round is going to be amazing. It's maybe look at what now, what you made mistakes on. And within that, you'll find like the answers to next time. And yeah, it all kind of starts immediately, but we just generally don't look there. We don't look straight away at what's causing us pain because we just want to suppress it. I don't know. So how, how does one kind of find this diamond in the rough when spring is intense and they don't have old mate Kinkle? <laughs> Frankel. Frankel. <laughs> to say, actually, mate, if you flip it, this is that. Well, that's the thing. That is the that is a great question, Peter. I reckon if you answer that question, or if I answer that question, we'd be in for quite a bit of money. Um, I, I, I don't think it's something that you can just tell someone necessarily. It is something that they have to find on their own. Um, I think an important aspect, though, is definitely recognizing that, and this is mentioned in even a lot of the other books that we're talking about. I know it's mentioned in Subtle Art. It's mentioned in Jordan Peterson's book. Um, it's, it's even a Buddhist sort of theme that, that life is suffering. Uh, that's running away from suffering and pretending that we can just, you know, just avoid all the suffering in our lives. It's not, I don't think that's concrete and uh, I don't think that's something we can necessarily go by. Mm. Instead, I think we should be like, all right, suffering is going to happen. We'll avoid it when we can, because if, if we don't, I guess you're just a masochist. Like, you avoid <laughs> suffering when you can, but when you can't, find the meaning and purpose through it. And I guess that's a challenge to the to the listeners, actually. Yeah, that's they can the challenge. That. Uh, I, this week, took a challenge upon myself Ooh. to pretty much get prepped for this episode and to read self-help literature more so than I have before. So I went back over books that I had read before. Um, and read The Alchemist in this last week. So your challenge, listeners, is to think about the bits of suffering or inconveniences that are, I guess, enroaching on you right now. To think about how you can flip it, how you can turn it around, and what its purpose is. 
you going to do that, Jono, when you go home? I'll do that right now when I go Good. home. You do that when you go home. I'm doing it as we're talking in my head, Peter. Because what I've noticed is that I can read all these things, and we talked a bit about it before, but once I close the book, I just totally don't think about it anymore. And I think that's why people see therapists, because they're constantly reminding them of these instructions or it's like being in a world of having someone or something tell you how to do things that's like in our way we're kind of finding our meaning by reading what these people have said to us reading their words if I had no book I would still be lost if I had no therapist I'd be lost but if I have those things so is this just kind of a contradiction is it like you're not actually going to find your meaning you're not actually going to be able to flip everything around you just need to read these words and feel a bit affirmed this is a little challenge I'm I'm just it's just what I'm feeling Mm. from hearing you know about all these little bits and bobs these hints and that like logotherapy is legitimately science yeah, yeah, no, it is it's used in practice. Psychiatry, it's used yeah. in practice. But if I'm trying to teach myself, I'm going to feel like I'm not really getting anywhere unless I can read about it or have someone teach me. And so it's really hard to just kind of be like, okay, cool, I'm going to go into logotherapy mode and really think about this. So, yeah, my question to you is when you don't have someone telling you or you don't have that print in front of you about these therapies and the way to get around Struggle Street, it's quite hard. It is quite hard because you have to draw from your own experiences and mm. you have to come up with things on your own, which is one of the hardest things you can do, I think. And now is it is it like big business that people are just trying to say, well, here's a solution. You don't look for it yourself. We tell you. So this author is going to tell you. That therapist is going to tell you and help you. Right. You think you're doing it yourself, but actually you're being led by them. That's just what I think. It's like when you go to those restaurants and they make you like cook the food yourself. They oh, give you like the meat on the hot plate and right? make you cook the food yourself. Like I paid for someone to cook my food. That is actually the best analogy you could have ever said. That's right. Yeah. But So cook your food, guys. Thinking about logotherapy, how, how does one really do this in simple terms at home? If you just give me like... What's what's something that's going to make me feel a bit suffery? Yeah. That's like a, in the day of your life, Jono, that you've like logotherapied. Oh, that is a great Give question. me a little example. A little example of something I've logotherapied. I can't think of something at the top of my head. Um, and oh, that I think, sucks. You just yeah, didn't come sucks. in prepared, did you? I know. I didn't, oh, I didn't write my notes. Um, I think for me, it hasn't been more something that I've applied every time I've encountered suffering. It's sort of been something that's always been at the back of my head when just dealing with life in general. Um, so like even the small things throughout life, if you're able to just sort of alter your perspective on it uh, and, and see it, I guess it's hard to say, see it in a more positive light because that sounds really cliche, mm. doesn't it? Um, but not be scared of suffering. Probably, that's probably the biggest thing I got out mm. of the book is com- coming to terms with suffering existing and being like, yeah, it does exist and it is going to be a part of my life sort of befriending it, being like, well, it's, it's my mate. It's my mate throughout life. I'm going to have suffering. Oh um, how do I deal with you? How do I manage you? Not how do I run away from you? Cool. I feel like a lot of my life was running away from suffering, you know, mm. trying to sort of band-aid it. Something happened, you chuck a band-aid on, sort of embrace the wound, see what you can do about it and learn to live with it. Mm. Uh, and that takes, I think, like, and the essence of logotherapy as well is taking responsibility and the sense of responsibleness. And I feel like that's something that as I get older, I've definitely developed that it's it's – there's, there's things that are out of my control mm. and there's this small portion of my life that is part of my control and I have to do everything I can to maintain that without getting distracted by the things that aren't under my control. And when yeah. you just focus on that 
area that's under your control and you take responsibility for that and you don't blame other people, sitting there blaming other people for problems in your life, I feel like you'll ultimately end up a lot more happy. Wise words, John. I really like it. Thank you very much. So I think a bit of an overlap that we can kind of see here, even in something like The Course of Love, it does talk a lot about how that couple um, that the book, the fictional story is based on, tend to not take, I guess, full, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, responsibility responsibility of their actions because there's like these innate uh i guess subconscious reasons as to why they're doing things to hurt each other that they haven't realized and then the subtle art uh talks a lot about how it's more negative for you to focus on where you want to be than to focus on the things that you aren't right now so if you focus on Sorry, I said that wrong. If you focus on what you aren't right now and what you want to be, that's quite negative. Focusing on the things that you're doing wrong now and actually saying, yeah, I'm doing this wrong and having that accountability is more positive. I really like that idea. It's cool, isn't it? that's really nice. Well, now I don't know. Is self-help literature a friend? To be continued. (laughs) You are back. It's helped me help you help me here on Sin Nation with Peter, your host. And I've got the lovely Jono still with me. He's been talking logotherapy. It is pretty cool stuff. That it is, Peter. That it Thank is. Thank you very much. You're welcome. So pretty much before we get into talking a little bit about the other side of self-help literature being not the reading but the writing, let's talk about what we've uncovered with the reading. So Pretty much what we, I guess, have agreed on is that it's best to not think too far ahead about your life's purpose. And I think that anyone who tries to sell you that you're going to find your life's purpose and your personal legend if you do this, this and that, and like, what is that promotion that you want? Well, that's the one that you want. That's the one you're going to get. Okay. I think that's a load of bull cocky. Red flag, run away, don't want it. Run away. If those people, I guess, are giving seminars if they're like gonna tell you about how to change your life in five hours I think it's a load of bull cocky I'm gonna keep saying it but if there are books that kind of get you to reframe positive versus the negative and instead of you thinking too far ahead and more so focusing on the now and how to make what's currently going down, whether it be a tremendous amount of suffering or tremendous amount of positivity, how to make that valuable. Because we're not going to suddenly transform and turn into a pretty butterfly at the end and then that's when your life starts. It's not how it works, Jono. Definitely not how it works. I feel like a good rule of thumb is if you're feeling immensely positive and happy and motivated after putting down the book, it's probably not going to last very long. <laughs> I know that sounds so negative, but I think that's that's the well, that's my sort of take home from self help yeah, literature. Yeah, I, I think that if you while you're reading are kind of like, whoa, I didn't realize I was this messed up, then that's probably a red flag. If there are little things where you're like, oh yeah, cool. Now that I think about it, yeah, that's something I need to deal with. I think I can deal with it doing this. And if you can start implementing techniques straight away, sweet. Um, in, in my experience, just generally, even if the self-help books are quite good, once I close it, I don't know if heaps resonates with me unless I continue reading the book or if that's what I'm living currently. Don't look to the books to give you the answer to who you are as a person. If you need a little bit of a kick up the bum to get little things in order, then it could be worthwhile. But if you're thinking long term, like, who am I? And you'd find myself. I don't really think it's going to work for you. 
No, or you're going to have to read hundreds and hundreds of books. To I get know, there. and I then mean, the that's Greeks just a money maker. About that. Peter, we know the, the Greeks, Greeks have been thinking about it. Me and John are Greek. We have all the answers. Um, you started thousands of years ago. We can yeah. go way back. Yeah, go yeah. Way back. we're continuing on the uh, Plato and Aristotle train. Yeah, yeah, we are for podcast. sure. Um, let's just debrief the books that we chatted about. So if you guys want to find them, you can do so. And to be honest, I've had positive experiences with all of these books that I've read. So first for me was The Alchemist, which is my little challenge for this week. And that is by Paolo uh, Gaolo. Paolo Gaolo. Anyway, if you just search The Alchemist, you'll find it. It's pretty easy read. It's very much in that realm of you need to read between the lines to find out what the book is telling you. But it's a pretty simple story with pretty simple values and messages. So not hard. But again, it does focus very much on you finding your life's purpose and your personal legend. Um, But it kind of does then say, like, enjoy the ride. But once you get there, is the ride over? Oh, you know, these are the questions that I have. Life should be a ride. (laughs) The next book, uh, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Pekoki. This is by Mark Manson. He's a blogger. So I know a lot of people, like, don't trust a blogger. Um, I don't know if I would trust him with my life. But he's got some good little bits of anecdotal and research-based evidence, which I I did not expect from a cheeky little blogger. And Chris Hemsworth rams on about it. So So it must be good. Must be good. So, yeah, you know, it's been a bestseller on the New York Times for quite a while. And then my one that I would pretty much suggest above all the last from me is Alain de Bouton's The Course of Love, which is just a really beautiful, philosophical, but also theoretical and just yes, like yes, to so many things that happen to you as a person when you're in a relationship. However, don't make that your purpose to be in a relationship and to get it right. Don't do that. But it's lovely. You know, if you wonder why people have problems, this book will tell you. And it makes sense to me, even though I have had not many relationships. Jono, Talk about the books that you referenced today. So the books I referenced today, obviously the first one was Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. Um, I, I'm not even scared to say it is probably the best book I've read. Um, what has this book done for your life? Let's just recap. Yeah. You're a med student mm. and you've pretty much just realized like, I want to do psychiatry. So yeah, it, it sort of came in a time in my life where I was halfway through med, let's say, um, have no idea sort of what direction I want to take. And I guess after reading this book and a few others as well, but I think this one was a linchpin for me, um, it definitely sort of turned the light on for a potential career in psychiatry for me. So it's definitely something that I've now sort of pursued as an interest reading a bit of Carl Jung and Freud and other sort of things. So, I mean, that's that's pretty big for a, a book to sort of encourage yeah. me and inspire me that much. So. I don't think I could ever get encouraged to read about Freud, uh, but good for you, Jono. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that was all from this book. So I'd I'd recommend it even to even if you're not interested in like psychiatry or even if logotherapy didn't tickle your pickle that much. Um, the the main the the sort of first part of the book is all about his experience being a uh, prisoner in Auschwitz and how he sort of analysed, you know, the psychology of the guards and the fellow prison inmates. And just his whole experience is, is really unique and really something I think everyone can take something away from. Yeah. The other book I mentioned was Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. Um, that's sort of come into popularity probably this you know, in the last year or so. 
Um, it's, there's a lot to it. It's definitely sort of changed a lot of con- my conceptions about, um, I guess, taking responsibility, um, just society in general, like social commentary, and even um, gave quite a unique sort of analysis of, of the idea of God and really explored mm. that. So that was really cool too. So I would recommend that as well. I actually bought the Frankel book, Waiting on That. Thank you, Book Depository. So I'll get back to you, Jono. We'll see if it makes me consider ever reading Freud. But or becoming a psychiatrist. Yeah, look, I'm probably not going to become a psychiatrist, let's be real. And just a reminder to you guys at home, I am not a psychiatrist, nor am I in any way allowed to pretty much give you advice about your life. So do remember that I'm not a pro. This is just meant to kind of make you feel like it's okay to be a dropkick, because we all are. And self-help books might help some of us for a little bit of the time. But generally speaking, you just need to enjoy the ride because it doesn't stop, literally never. Um, And on to the next phase of what we'll be talking about now is writing for self-help. Maybe you're the one who can provide you with the answers to the questions that you might have. So in a momento, we're going to be having a chat to Thomas Main, who has been writing his own little book, a very short book, uh, which is pretty much a combination of diary entries about his experiences with anxiety, coming out as a queer person and just general insecurities being a 17-year-old. So we'll talk a bit about that and how you can find catharsis, catharsis, catharsis when writing and how to go about it and maybe who to share it with and how it feels to do that. Mm, yeah, cool. It's Help Me Help You Help Me on Sin Nation and you are with Peter and I'm joined by a new guest now, Thomas. Hello. Hello. Hi. Good Hello. to be here. Hey. Hey. Isn't it? Isn't it just? So, Thomas, you are actually a sinner. I am. Um, great to have someone from the family mm-hmm. here. A celebrity. A celebrity. I would say. love it. Love it. Huge about it. So, um... Not sure if you heard, but me and Jono, my other mate, we were just chatting about self-help books. I guess the pros and cons, where to go, uh, search for your your life purpose and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But you kind of have a different spin on self-help literature in the fact that you actually wrote it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a bit about your product, your um, product, your project. So I guess you could call it a book. I'm not sure. Like it's not like a fully fledged novel. It's, mm-hmm. it's less than 50 pages. So I th- like a short story. Yeah, cool. That's like the kind of vibe. The short story. Um, and it's basically just like a sort of a take from a point in my life and putting it onto paper. And it was, yeah, it's just like that particular... That era, like that, that period of time. Yep, that period of time, which was very recently, actually. Yeah, totally. So I started about a month ago, a mm-hmm. little less than a month ago, early December. Yep. Um, and like school was wrapping up. Things were like coming to a close, so I thought this is a really good time to put something that I'm passionate towards. You know, like just get something out. Yes, yeah. and you're a just finished year eleven, mm-hmm. so going into year twelve, and I guess you're probably in that point of life where you're like, who am I? Yeah, what's totally. going on? Oh, hundred percent. And so this short story, as as you've put it is pretty much about you gathering up all, I guess, the pieces of evidence of who you are mm-hmm. and constructing that and trying to become a bit more affirmative with it and a bit more confident with saying mm-hmm. who you are and what you're going through. Yeah, and it's like, I'd say it's the very tip of the iceberg. Like, it's a, a short bit about three weeks long Yeah, over a span of 17 plus years. Mm-hmm. And what is it exactly that made you start writing about the experience? Um. 
it wasn't really like a oh I've got to start writing I have all this stuff to write it's, mm. it was a, it was like why don't I do something different like like, like people often say like oh if you're feeling like stressed or anxious draw it out or mm. sing it out like no I have zero talent <laughs> um so I thought oh writing would be good and I like writing like I've written before but this was like my first sort of big big project and I thought wow I'm really like enjoying this I'm vibing with it I'm like getting the grip and I was like writing every day for a solid three and a half weeks. Yeah, because the the prose itself is dated, like diary mm-hmm. entries, and you were writing very, very frequently. Mm. That's crazy because I've never really been able to stick out the diary thing mm-hmm. and I never really could do it regularly enough. I Every now and then something would happen, I'd write it down and then I just didn't have that habit. Yeah. Is it something that you've done with diaries? Have you no, done that before? No, okay. like seriously, it's just like, oh, wow. We're here. We're doing it. We're doing it. Um, but like an aspiration, you know, New Year's aspirations. Like it. For next year is going to be like writing a diary entry each day. Mm. So sort of like doing a full scale, like here's the tea content. Yeah. This is year. what's going on. Yeah. So why is it important for you to be recapping and I guess telling yourself again what happened over the course of the day and how you feel about it? Um. Well, a couple of people have said it's like a stream of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of it is like... A bit fluff, like it's a bit, oh, what, what's that? Like, why are you talking about pants for three chapters? Like, what, <laughs> like what's going on? Um, but I, I think it's like a really sort of cathartic sort of way to like internalise and both like internalise and put out into a piece of yeah, paper and, and be project. like, yeah, and totally like evaluate and review like what's going on in my life. What are the choices that I'm making? Where am I going? Like that sort of vibe. So there's pretty much this internal conflict for very many points in in the prose Mm. one in particular centers around this trip to sydney um to to go and meet with someone so did writing it down and talking about like the effect that it would have on your relationship with your parents Mm -hmm. and you know kind of who it means who you are what it means did that have an impact on the overall trip to sydney and what happened yeah like it sort of made me like reevaluate what i was doing yeah um so i was just like once writing it down, I thought, oh, this isn't a good idea. Like, you know, like yeah. it was like a, oh, yikes. Yep. Yeah. And then as people were reading it, because you talk about actually giving it to your friends mm-hmm. and their views on it, there were like a few remarks of friends where it's like, oh, like, did you really do that? And like, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. Did that kind of then make you feel a bit more like, yeah, this is probably a bad Yeah, idea. but like... A lot of my life, I've definitely been, like, an outsider. Like, mm. I do, like, not norm things. Cool. Like, my outfit, for example. Um, I think it's lit. Thank you. It actually is perfect, but you might be a bit hot. Like, you're wearing oh, it's, it's jeans. Fine. No, I'm wearing shorts. Oh, there you go. It's fine. Yeah. Sorry, I just saw the black of the chair. Yeah. Mm. Um, but, like, I think the book itself really encapsulates who I am and why, why I have views and, like, what my views are. And that's sort of just, like, general gist of, like, what's my life? What? Where am I? Like, who am I? Who am I as a person? Who am I as a character who are, who am I as an ambient being <laughs> as a brand yeah i like it cuz in a way you're answering those questions for yourself and then cementing it on paper um for other people to see so it's not only you being okay with who you mm-hmm. are and finding who you are it's you also telling other people well yeah this is actually what's going on inside my head and how I'm feeling and that's the only real way that people get to know who you are is mm-hmm. if they know what's going on in your head and it's something that you don't usually tell people yeah it's like at first I was a bit hesitant to be like sharing it around mm. but I thought this is cathartic for me 
it might help people. So the first purpose you would say would have been writing it for yourself mm-hmm. to get it more 100%. of a gauge and, you know, let out any kind of angst and things yeah. like that. And then it, when did it turn into, oh, other people could get something out of this for you? It Probably five or six days into it. Mm. Like I'd shared, shared it around school. I thought, oh, a couple of people like, like this. What if I make it a bit more like general to the public rather mm. than just like, here's my thoughts about X, Y, Z. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think there's something special about you as a particular character and person writing what you're doing in your life as opposed to every Tom, Dick and Harry. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, you know, it's very, it's also timely when you're trying to come out as being queer and reevaluate your relationships with people, mm-hmm. your parents, family, friends. And it's it's just, I guess, it's a poignant example of the frustrations that a lot of people mm. can go through. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's also like a, an evaluation of queer people as well as like just being a teenager generally. Oh, like that, that kind of like rebellious is angst like content. full stop, you know. Yeah. It's like I'm coming out queer boy. I'm also yeah. 17. <laughs> yeah. Like, hello, like, welcome okay. to my new life. Like, here's me for everything I have, all honesty, like, very little things are exaggerated. Like, it's, there's no, like, lies. It's just mm. raw, open content. Well, it really is beautiful being inside someone's head like that. And someone that I don't know. Mm. So, we've never met before. Um, so nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. But it was really great being able to read that before I met you. And it's something that you wouldn't do with anyone else. I'd- no, it's not like you'd put it on, like, a, like, what are they called? Um, Oh, my God. Like, you wouldn't put it on a resume or anything. No. Like, it'd be like... Read my book. Here's, like, my little analysis of a month ago. Like, please hire me. Love it. Yeah. Um, I think it's really cool. And the more I talk about it and the more I think about it, it it really is really cathartic Mm. and self-expressive. And even if you have no idea as to why you're doing that and why you're writing out and expressing, it can kind of come to you later. Naturally. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of stories that you read... Um, of people finding their personal legends, like in a book that I was flagging before, and the person doesn't really understand that they were kind of on journey and en route the entire time Mm -hmm. before they even realised what their legend was and what they were going to do. So are you going to write more? Like, what's the plan? I've I've got ideas. Like, this was like a really good starting point for like a foundation. Like, here's something that people have said I'm, I'm good at and I enjoy doing and I'm passionate about. Why not continue? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but there have been, like, I think this short story encapsulates a very specific point in my life. Yeah. And I don't want to do, like, that straight away. I don't want to be, like, here's this point and then next chapter or next book is, the, like, two weeks later. I mm-hmm. want, like, a, a bit of a gap, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, but, experience. Mm-hmm. Go on your holidays. Yeah. Enjoy yourself. Yeah. And then get into the deepness. And it could just be maybe when you're not feeling as positive mm. and as much yourself and it's what you turn to when you don't feel like you're checked in back with yourself. You know, I think in times where I've noticed I actually did start diary entries and writing, it was when I was not really sure of mm-hmm. myself. Yeah. I think that's the best time to do it. Yeah, and that's how I started it too. I was just like, this is not a good point in my life. Mm. Why don't I just like try and express some of that emotion and putting it, putting it into something physical? Yeah. Without it being like a drastic or yeah. Yeah. intense, it's it's purely just on a page. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And it's just like something as simple as a piece of paper, you know, yeah. like it's it's not world changing, it's not revolutionary, it's just a thing. 
Yeah. So the short story is called A Note and a Pair of Scissors, which is how it all starts. Mm -hmm. Can you explain to us a little bit about Um, The Note and a Pair of Scissors? The note is a physical note, pen and paper, a note. Like Mm -hmm. it's presentable. It's a note. Which you could say is the start of this book because the the first thing that you wrote, the first thing about yourself that was going on. Yeah. What was on the note? Mm Mm-hmm. The note. The note. Like it was the note. note. Um, And the scissors are sort of both physical and symbolic. Like the scissors represent teen angst. The scissors represent who I am. The the scissors represent where I'm going in life. Like the scissors represent like a crossroads, like scissors because they're like... Oh, I know. Uh, Do you study literature? I do. Mm -hmm. Hey. Literature fam, yeah. I like Um, that. But also, like, physical, like, um, scissors come to represent things like self-harm and yeah. things like that. But, like, the scissors don't specifically represent one thing. It's a broad mm. – and it's, in, in like, interpretive. Whatever the reader thinks is fair enough. Like, it's it's interpretive. Like, you don't have to interpret this one thing. This is very literature brain of me, but it's, like, this one symbol, this one motif could be represented as a whole list of things. Yeah, and uh, even when you're writing, you make references to the songs you're listening to mm-hmm. and you might pick out some lyrics and I guess you can then interpret what those lyrics mean, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, yeah, there are some pretty tough points discussed mm-hmm. and even though you kind of float over things like self-harm um, and, and mental health it's just worth kind of flagging that, you know, if anyone does struggle yeah. with any of these mm-hmm. things, it's just worth knowing that. Here's a warning. It's present. Here's a warning, you know, a bit of a trigger. Um, and if you guys are listening in and you might feel like anything we've touched on today is maybe making you feel a little bit upset or a bit triggered, then if you want to do call in to Lifeline, you can do so at 13 11 14. There's also the Kids Helpline and you can call them um Depending on your age, I think there's a couple different numbers, but no, I don't want to. One eight hundred. One eight hundred fifty five. One eight hundred eight. Got it. Um, but I think it's an awesome, just little habit to do, even mm-hmm. for a temporary amount of time. Yeah, and it it, it's, it hasn't just started with writing. Like I've done radio for a while, and I feel like that also helped. Like I can, mm. you have the sort of, it's not a duty, but you have something to rely on. You can be like. Here's what I'm thinking. This is what's going on, and you have you have an outlet. Yeah, I I do totally agree that it is more of an outlet for any kind of phase rather than it needing to be mm-hmm. a continuous thing. Yeah. And yeah, are you feeling more positive coming out of it? How are you feeling? Um, there was a lot of like battling in my head. Where am I? Where am I going to end this? Is it going to just keep going on forever? Mm. Um, but I think I just made the decision to like stop. And once I stopped, in sort of a reverse, inverse sort of way, I felt better because I felt like I didn't think I had to write all the time. I didn't have to, like, put all my feelings for people to see, which was, like, very ironic in a sense. Yeah, you kind of stopped and felt them rather than analysing them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But totally, like, once once things were out there, I was like, whew blank slate like we're mm. we're okay and we dealt with that we yeah did it. we passed. we, we passed. made it through we are on the other side we are back you're listening to help me help you help me bit of a tongue twister on sin nation you are with peter and my lovely guest thomas hello he's been talking all about his short story and it's just about a point of his life getting above it making him feel better 
pretty much by putting pen to paper. Mm -hmm. And so for those of us who maybe don't usually go to write or do diary entries or really express ourselves, how would you start? Um, Well, it doesn't have to start with writing. You can do music, you can do art, you can do whatever. Mm. Like it's not like... Oh, here's this one way and one way only you can get something out. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's, it's not even like creative. It's just like you don't have to be creative to vent stuff. You know, mm. like you can just be you and just feel like, oh, I want to write like this way because that's how I've learned it, or maybe I want to go against the grain. So this is how I write. Yeah, and you probably could even do things like radio. You mm-hmm. can get like sin. You know, plug it if you're a young person. Under the age of 26. 12 to 25. 12 to 25. Join. I thought it was 26. Oh, you sin died 26. When you turn 26, you're, you're out of here. Yeah, when you when you turn 26, you're gone. Yeah. Um, that's a way to do it. I have been on flagships talking about music, but also talking about my dating life and relationships. And that kind of helps me recalibrate who I am, why I'm a strong, independent woman and don't need no man or woman. Mm-hmm. can just do my thing. Came to slay. Came to slay. I love it. So, yeah, don't even look at the ordinary and conventional methods of realising your own self through your own literature. Mm-hmm. Can be You can just have a chat with someone. Totally. Like, sit down, have a coffee. That's seriously one way of expressing emotions and feelings and thoughts. I think what I really want to wrap up this episode with is that you don't necessarily always need to be looking to someone else or to yourself to sort out how much of a dropkick or a mess up that you are. I think it's simply just about identifying what's going on in the now. Mm-hmm. Think about the challenges, the struggles, and maybe how you can kind of flip them on its head and turn it into more of a learning curve rather than I need to be somewhere yeah, at this point in time. Totally. I think that's what a lot of young people are getting wrong is they're setting these long-term goals without thinking about the short term mm-hmm. and without thinking about how actually living life plays into that as well. Where if you say, I want to start being on a salary of like, 150,000k by the time I'm 23 so I need to get this promotion and that promotion and that promotion are you making time to live are you making time to make mistakes mm. um, and reevaluate and that's what it's all about making mistakes and growing and learning from them 100% I think if you don't make mistakes you're just not human and there's like a really good quote that I wanted to share with the listeners we love a quote love um, a quote this is by Someone named A.L. Kennedy, who is a novelist, um, and they kind of have more of a British perspective when it comes to self-help literature. And this is where she actually said this to The Independent, which is like a UK uh, publication, and they're like super British and cynical, and they're like, self-help literature sucks, blah, 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 blah. But she said something that really resonated with me, and A lot of the time people like to think that they know what's going on in everyone's head all the time, but you just don't. She says, I myself tend to be incredibly cynical about self-help books, she says. I think the moment somebody you don't know starts talking about how to become happier, you should run away very, very quickly. Um, She pretty much also concludes that there's like no real evidence that everyone experiences the same life and goes through the same things. So taking that into consideration, guys... I want to sum it up with you do you. Live your best life. Literally live your best life. You do you. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cap this off with a beautiful, beautiful song by a beautiful man named Matt Corby. No ordinary life. 
You're listening to Help Me, Help You, Help Me. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what's coming up with the rest of the season all over the next few weeks. When we come back, you are on Sin Nation with Peter. This is No Ordinary Life. It beautiful. Lol, just kidding. That was not Matt Corby, but now it's me. I bet we're going to just wrap this up. Yeah, totally. I'm cool with that. Let's do it. Sorry, Matt. See ya. Sorry, Matt. See you later. If you guys want to listen to that, it's a pretty inspiring album about him being a sexy man and having a baby and all that stuff. Wow, that's really wild. Oh, Oh, can I just just, do a little plug? Not for my book, but Casey Musgrave's album, Golden Hour. Oh, Haven't heard it. Healing. Oh, Healing? Beautiful. Well, you know what else, guys? I think we're going to have to have an episode about music, oh, I reckon, oh, just down the track. Totally. About fixing ourselves up. So if you guys are still left wondering, what is this show? Who's this chick? What's going on here? Holiday seasonal. Help me help you help me. If you do want to keep track of what's going on every single week, you can do so through our socials. It's help me help you help me sin. And that's on Instagram and Facebook. You can also submit questions if you are struggling to find your meaning of life and have questions about everyday ordeals like how do I actually get out of bed at 7.15am every morning? Mm. Ask me and you can do so through my Tumblr account. Well, it's not mine, but it's It's ours. It's the the shows. That's helpmehelpyouhelpmesin.tumblr.com forward slash ask. If you want to follow my socials, I post a lot of stuff about the show and you can just like click onto links that I provide to make your life easy. So my plug (laughs) is the real full stop P full stop titty T-I-T-T-Y. That's me, Peter. Hello. Good morning. Good morning and good afternoon. Yeah. Thomas, you've been an absolute legend. Thank you. A note and a pair of scissors is the short story that you've just finished up and are proud to give to the world. Coming soon to a publisher near you. That's right. Trying to work on our art. It's going to be mm. out there. It's going to be in the public. But if you can, I guess, make friends with Thomas, he'll send you a link. I will. You can read it. Yep. Thank you all for listening to the first show. It's been a blast and a half. I've had some great time with you. So cheers, cheers. Work. Signing out. Work, work, work. How about it? Yeet, yeet. All right. See ya. This was a Sin Media Podcast, previously heard live on Sin Nation. Okay, see you later, bye-bye.